Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to Star Wars Lads. Today we are getting into our first of our new and improved version of the Star Wars Lads show, kind of retitling it. We're going to call it the, the Star Wars Lads News Show. Might become a different name here in the future, but it's the return of our podcast-style show. If you aren't familiar with the history of our channel or the history of Star Wars Lads, we started as a podcast back in 2020 when a lot of people starting podcasts had more success on YouTube, switched to more video-oriented show. But we're bringing back that podcast style with a news rundown, a news breakdown, a weekly breakdown of all the biggest stories that are happening in the world of Star Wars news. But we want you all to be a part of it. So we are live streaming here on YouTube. It will be uploaded to podcast platforms later. But if you would like to be a part of the show, send us in your thoughts on any of the topics. We'll mention your comments out loud in the video. You're welcome to send in a super chat if you'd like to support the channel or make sure your comment gets answered up in the uh, in the, the show itself. Also, make sure you're liking the video and subscribing to the channel if you are watching on YouTube. It really helps us out with the algorithm, helps us get more Star Wars fans in here to discuss the latest news topics, and uh, it allows all of us to have a really fun conversation here. We're, we're going to shoot for about a 30 to 45 minute show. We're going to run down a couple topics. We picked two specific ones out to talk about. Those are the ones you'll see in the main title for this video. We're also going to run down a couple of the smaller topics as well. On top of that, send in your thoughts on all the different topics we talk about, or if you have something specific that you want us to talk about that you're really intrigued to hear our thoughts about, or it's just a topic that you're very intrigued about in general and you'd like to bring up your opinion, send it in in the live chat. We will bring it up on the show. All right, Sonic, let me pass it over to you for topic number one. What are we going to start our first Star Wars Lads live streamed news show out with today? Well, the first topic of discussion is the supposed title of the new Jedi Order film. I mean, right now, you know, the strikes are going on. We don't really know what's really happened before. You know, there's a lot of rumors swirling around, but the supposed name that was rumored by some accounts, I think Star Wars Meg was one of them on Twitter, uh, they're saying that the film will be titled Star Wars A New Beginning. Personally, I doubt that. It just feels a little too on the nose for a name. A little too blunt. Uh, I, I mean, A New Hope was added retroactively to Star Wars, right? And it's not like Star Wars is like a subtle name by any means. But I think when you look at the other like starting films and eras, right? We got The Phantom Menace. And I think that's got a lot of mystery that doesn't necessarily work for a lot, of, a lot of kids. But maybe it works now that we've seen the full trilogy. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's Palpatine behind the scenes, pulling the strings causing this whole situation. The Force Awakens is still a little muddy for me, but I, I think it is clear, at least in that film, that it's Rey and her Force coming into contact with Kylo and Snoke, and you know she's connecting with Luke Skywalker's and the Skywalker lightsabers, like stuff like that. That, that That's all relatively clear and still has a bit of uniqueness. When I think about just a new beginning, I, I don't know. It just feels like you're saying like, oh, okay, we kind of stumbled out of the gates there with the sequels. Uh, instead of like building off of that, you know, hinting at what happened in the last 15 years, we're just gonna be like, this is a 
soft reboot for the characters. And sure, maybe in a way it is, but I, I think that's not the most convincing name. And I hope that's just, you know, a placeholder. Yeah, I hope it's not the title. I feel like something way more creative would be better in this scenario. The New Jedi Order film, which honestly, just calling it Star Wars The New Jedi Order, I think is a perfectly fine title. It's the title they should go with, even though it does invite, obviously, comparisons and criticism with whatever the story of this film is with the original book initiative. Uh, most people most people haven't read that book initiative who are going to go see this film. So I think it's a good title to call it New Jedi Order. I don't like A New Beginning. It is so basic. It is very bland. It's And it's not really A New Beginning. We have characters that we've already seen before who are coming back to be the main leads. It might be a fresh start. That's you know, not a good title either. But it's not A New Beginning. I don't think this is accurate. I don't think this is true. Uh, TSE, see you long back again. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, how can a film have a title when the draft has not been approved yet? She's not the most reliable source. We, I mean, there's, they called it New Jedi Order when they announced the whole thing. I know you're talking about a new beginning, but they, I would imagine when you're writing your drafts of a script, you have a title in mind. It might not be the approved title by lucasfilm yet and they could very well change it from whatever the writers intended it to be called maybe a new beginning was damon lindelof's name for his film initially we don't know it could it could just be out there but it is it's so simple that anyone could have made this up really <laughs> so i'm not necessarily doubting the credibility of the source i'm more just doubting the fact that why why play it so safe right like one of the main criticisms of the sequels yeah or at least the early the force awakens which is to me undoubtedly the best made film of the three the biggest criticism is how safe it plays it why would you play it with so safe with a title that could be applied to anything i mean there's a friday the 13th movie named a new beginning so i mean yeah so i'm not a big fan of that um hopefully Hopefully that is not accurate. Let us know what you think in the comments, though, in the live chat, what you think of the title, A New Beginning, if that is indeed the title of Rey's New Jedi Order film, or what we would assume to be the first in the series. So, Nick, what are the next uh, topics we have to run down here after that? So next, maybe we want to kind of get our audience more acclimated with the fact that we are still very much a book-heavy channel, and one of the major initiative series for this channel especially through canon has been the high republic initiative which has been awesome to read in 2021 and yeah we were a bit behind after a little bit of burnout and personal life schedules with uh, mandalorian season three bad batch and jedi survivor but we, we were going to catch up to high republic phase two and it ended very strong a lot of a lot of great development there uh but the weakness always with that storytelling was that it it is another hundred years behind before uh phase one was and phase one left on such an amazing cliffhanger uh so yeah i mean we phase three is supposed to pick up a little over a year after right the shadows of starlight comic book miniseries is fleshing out that gap the first issue i read it fantastic but 
interestingly enough, this whole phase is a little slower. Like they're dropping one adult book in November, and I think the young adult one isn't till sometime in early 2024. So they are really trying to avoid, I guess, a little bit of like the over influx that we got of storytelling in phase one, letting people like sit with the stories, really, you know, chew it on there. So the, the first one is The Eye of Darkness, and excerpts been released. Uh, stuff that the Nile are doing since it's, it's like they're occupying planets in this occlu- uh, is it occlusions what is it what is it? occlusion zone exclusion zone exclusion right. zone yeah uh it, it is fascinating to me that you know this part of star wars has not really been explored you know it is relatively close to the films and for part of the galaxy to just be like oh that's just like not in jedi control or any republic control and seeing this villain that Obviously, it was created much later, but has this villainous success already. Yeah, the, the, it's called the occlusion zone. Yeah, so it's a very, very, very interesting setting. I mean, just the idea of like Avar being behind scenes, her finally reestablishing herself after not really getting her full due in phase one, stuff like that. I mean, it seems like people like what's been released by the excerpts. I'm personally a fan of what I've read. It just feels like there's going to be a seriousness. There's going to be an insane amount of action. Can't wait. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Cannot wait to dive into Eye of Darkness. It's been a long time coming. I mean, we've been waiting for this for over a year, a year and a half since The Fallen Star came out. And so this just, from early reactions, it sounds like this is going to be another great book that ties in to not just the high republic but the phase one initiative and carrying over into phase three it's the story we've we fell in love with the high republic for and so seeing it wrap up here or the beginning of the end i guess is the most exciting part and uh, you know i i still i still can't possibly get more excited for a high republic novel than one that features markian Rowe right on the cover just looking so cool this is going to be great we're hoping to have our review out for you all day one when it drops we haven't gotten our audio review copy yet but we're working on it hopefully we get it soon and then we can get it all to you guys our, our full thoughts as the book is coming out so you know whether you should get it or not Let's move on to the the third topic here, the Acolyte Writers. We do have a comment about the Acolyte Writers, and we'll get to your comment here as soon as we get into the actual topic itself. Cynic, who are the writers responsible for what seems to be possibly the most intriguing and very different Star Wars show that we've seen in a long time? Yeah, I mean, when we think about some very prestigious shows like the prestige era of TV from AMC in like the late 2010s, mid 2010s, uh, before streaming and the budget kind of just inflated crazy and everyone wanted to have their big show. Uh, You know, a great, great TV show always had a rather large writer's room. And, you know, you could have your showrunner, but the showrunner was simply focused on like the overarching, the grand needs and of the plot of the direction and whatnot the, the writers you know they could pick an episode to really lean into their strengths and kind of all piece together their different writing styles into something 
fundamentally stronger as a story as a whole because we got to see all their best elements. Uh, there are a lot of rumored writers for the Acolyte. I think uh, showrunner Leslie Headland already Russian doll, so that's big big already on Netflix. Uh, Jason Mikalev from Heather's. I don't. I, I'm hoping it's not the Heather's TV show. I'm not really sure what that one is because I heard that one's not very good. But there's Charmaine de Grade from House of the Dragon, Jasmine Florney from Welcome to Dairy, Eileen Shim also from House of the Dragon, Claire Ketchell, HBO's Watchmen. That's that's also pretty big there. Cora Donna from Mr. Robot, very big there. Cameron Squires, WandaVision, you know, one of the better MCU shows out there. And Jocelyn A. Bio, again from Russian Doll, and Jen Richards. And there's like an episode by episode breakdown that you can find online. But I mean, this is exciting for me. I know there's already some people like complaining like, oh man, like, what do you mean that they've hired some people who don't know about Star Wars or have never really been big fans? In the case of like writing something new and fresh for this universe, it makes sense. You know, we still also have Leslie Headland with interviews from her saying that she's such a big dark side user fan. She's you ask her about like even some esoteric ones and she's just going off. She's like, oh, there's this, there's that. And she, she has a vast amount of love and knowledge for this. This was something that she has admit, admitted to be like growing up was like one of her favorite things before she got into like video game writing and book writing and whatnot. So I'm excited that there is at least a fan in charge, but a fan that recognizes that like for this to be as unique, as fresh a breath of air as, you know, the books have been, right? The show has to be its own thing uh, as well. And on in the visual front, we've only really gotten like the fun, campy, original trilogy inspired action. And then we've gotten some prequel-ish and then we got Andor, right? So Andor was a breath of fresh air, but that is still Gilroy honing in on a couple characters that he'd worked on in the film. Here, you got something entirely new. This will be much after the books of the High Republic, which hopefully there is a phase four or something, maybe not exactly in this story being told, maybe like an add-on into the later era with the consequences uh, to bridge the books to what we're seeing in the show. I'd love to see something like that, but... This show has to feel so fresh, so unique, and also feel like we're right about to knock on the door of the prequels. So uh, seeing this level of quality and you know writing gives me a lot of hope. And I hope that it is something that Disney considers for especially like the New Republic era, which I think we've already had our fun with the era so far. But now for the storytelling and everything to really click, having a couple people from like the animated shows and you know maybe a couple other people who have been writing for the star wars live action and animation departments to help Bafaro, help Filoni. because if you're going to stack up acolyte and it turns out to be great and different and unique in the same way that andor is it's a much more easily replicable model to then apply to some of your other right. ongoing shows as well no for sure and this because this still has what makes star wars Star Wars, I guess, yeah. at the heart of it. The mythology of Star Wars is is the bread and butter of the Acolyte, and even if it's a very different take, it's still Jedi versus Sith, it's light side versus dark side. It's the most consistent common theme of Star Wars, whereas Andor, uh, 
the story told there is very specific to its character set and as and as well of, as the a time period in which a revolution is beginning right you couldn't really tell that story anywhere else besides pre-galactic civil war unless you wanted to go all the way back to discover the old republic and what was the original revolution against the sith empire or something like that so when it comes to the acolyte i am excited for a different take on jedi sith i do always get concerned when people say they don't know about star wars or they're not fans of star wars i think this is a safe show for that because it takes place so far ahead of the phantom menace 100 years ahead of the phantom menace while also taking place so far after the events of the high republic books that it shouldn't really step on toes either way although it does include vernestra Rowe. other than vernestra Rowe, there shouldn't really be anything that this show really infringes on we still have plenty of time if you wanted to do a darth Plagueis story if he was somehow not a part of this you have plenty of time to do a palpatine origin story if neither of them are a part of this i'm i'm looking forward to a fresh take on the sith because i think the Sith in canon are something that has basically no pre-established lore, right? We have all we have is Palpatine and Vader and everything that happens to them between the Phantom Menace and the Rise of Skywalker. And that's about it. We even have these Sith Eternal who we basically know nothing about from <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker. We have some breadcrumbs laid in Shadow of the Sith. We have breadcrumbs laid throughout the sequel trilogy, but there's not much that is out there about the Sith at this time. So if this gives us a little bit of early foundation and an early look at them, I, I think that would definitely be welcome. Acolyte also just means it's not actually a Sith, right? This is a, someone who follows the ways of the Sith. There's a lot of ways we can tell an interesting story, interesting story in which the Jedi confront the dark side without contradicting Kiati Mundi's line about the Sith being extinct for a millennium. There are a lot of cool things we can do here. I like the elevated idea of having people from a Game of Thrones style show for this. I think in tone, the High Republic doesn't necessarily fit like a, a grimdark fantasy's tone like a Game of Thrones, like a House of the Dragon. But I think when you focus on the dark side, that's when you can fit it. So it's it'll be interesting to see what the balance here is. There are a lot of Jedi characters that we know are cast. There are a lot of most of the set leaks have all been Jedi, right? So we know the Jedi play a big role in this show. It's just a matter of is it 50-50 with acolytes, Sith acolytes and Jedi? Is it 70-30 with Sith acolytes and Jedi? Is there like one is it kind of like the Bane trilogy where you have one Jedi character who anchors both of the first two books for the light side, but then most of the page time is held by Bane or Xana. I think it's going to be something like that. I think there's going to be a light side foil to the Acolyte. But so you have to get to know that character. You have to get to know what the Jedi are like at that time. But ultimately, this is going to focus on the dark side. Ultimately, this is going to focus on the idea ideology of the dark side. I think it's pretty darn cool to have some people who have experience writing pretty high-level fantasy politics like you do in House of the Dragon, which is great, by the way. If you haven't watched it because you're not you're worried about Game of Thrones, it's really good. So I I'm pretty confident in it, seeing this writer's list, and hopefully it really is 
a great introduction to people who might be wanting to get into the High Republic, but also a great introduction for people who maybe are looking for something that has traditional Star Wars tropes, but told in a very different way. We do have some comments sent in here, so we'll try to get to them all. If you are interested in sending in a chat, make sure you do so. It's We're going to run down your comments right now. We have a couple other topics we're thinking about talking about, but we're going to focus on your comments because we made it through all three of our topics. If you were just joining us and you would like to send in a comment about one of the previous topics, we did talk about the possible title of the New Jedi Order film being Star Wars A New Beginning. We also talked about the initial reactions to the High Republic Eye of Darkness. All right, uh, let's get into the comments here. TSE CU Lung says, Acolyte having... Oh, wait, we already answered that one, sorry. Also says, it seems that they have paired less experienced writers with extremely experienced writers to kind of help them and work together. Awesome to see big writer's room. That is true. That's a great point as well. Look at your thoughts on that too, Senek. What do you think of the idea of this show by far has the biggest writers room of any Star Wars show. Most of them have all been singular creator-driven writing. And while that helps with vision, I think something like Ahsoka very much so benefits for it being fully written and show run by Dave Filoni. Sometimes something like the Mandalorian, something that's a bit more episodic, maybe could use a bit more flavor than just one person writing it or or John Favreau and Dave Filoni writing it, right? What do you think of having a show like this having, what, six writers across its eight episodes? Yeah, I mean, I think it is smart. Uh, this is one show that well, theoretically, it's more approachable to the uh, average Star Wars fan who's been like, yeah, I watched the movies and some of the shows. Uh, you know, they want to see lightsabers. They want to see force powers. They want to see, you know, spaceship battles or something like that. Just the things that we expect. Uh, but maybe they're like, well, now then the whole Mandoverse is kind of getting a little too complicated. I didn't see that Ahsoka show yet. Uh, what do you mean Grogu was back in Book of Boba Fett, right? This is just... It is what it is. It can hint at things before and after, but it doesn't rely on that. So I think that storytelling already is set up to be kind of more insulated and therefore a little easier to just go free and go a little wild with what the writers want. Uh, just seeing the list that they put out, like, yeah, I think that's <laughs> it's definitely true. Like, episode two is Jason Mikalef with Char Charmaine de Grat. Which is like, yeah, that seems right. You're going to put the guy who worked on Heather's The TV Show, which everyone online was hating, I remember, back in college. And rightfully so. The first, the original film is a classic. Uh, but then you have them paired with someone who worked on House of the Dragon. I think that's a great idea. Uh, my worry is that Jason Mikalef is also writing episode 8, which is like, oh... Okay, I I don't I mean I, I why are you alone for the finale in that case? I would kind of hope Leslie would be there with one of these more experienced writers to really you know land strong. Because if there is a weakness that I have with Ahsoka, is I I really like the finale, but I do think it does land a little soft compared to where it could have been like almost like trailblazing, like hinting at so many things and leaving us on like more weightier, meteor cliffhangers. So. Yeah, I like the strategy, uh, especially episodes two to seven. Great. I think 
you know, I'm sure Leslie maybe is taking some hints from Charles Soule and his, like, I mean, you know, he wrote books before. This was, like, his first real venture from Star Wars comics for the High Republic uh, into being a Star Wars author, like, involved with the whole initiative. And I, I hope that, you know, maybe he can give her some tips on, like, how do you start an origin? Like, how do you start, a, like, a story set in this era where the Jedi, even if they're, like, not doing great, on you know internal matters publicly they're still the jedi they're still guardians of the peace things are still working out quite well that was a little bump in the past right i'm i'm very curious to see how this show which will maybe not necessarily have the same impact as the books but will have you know some strong strong setup for the eventual sith return How, how how do you have leslie like play out that origin of this supposed acolyte, right? I, I know, uh, looking further, Cecil Long, and you said that there is a survey where the description for the show is this mystery thriller will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic, where a former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see, like, It'd be very interesting if there's like a familial relationship between the Jedi and the Acolyte. Um, I think in some of the leaked trailer stuff that I saw, there's a lot of Wushu inspired fighting. So if that's like a way for, you know, like a force enabled fighter to like go up against these very acrobatic and very ornate Jedi of the High Republic with their flowing robes and everything, that could lend itself to some really great shots. And then a sudden like, oh, that's how we're going to end our first episode. Like, these two recognize each other like that. That would be very cool. Um, yeah, I, I think just seeing more than one or two people writing the story at all times gives me a lot more confidence because all the other ex- examples that we've gotten where it's like, oh, yeah, there is two people for like, like each Obi-Wan Kenobi episode. But that's just like a legal credit that you have to put for someone who originally wrote it and they originally wrote it back when it was a film. Right. So this being fresh, this having different pairings of writers i'm a lot more confident i think there's just a lot more potential and just there's other things in this time period and people who worked on this time period that you can lean on to you know know what are like the right ways to stab this material right and it could be this just could be telling about the downfall of a jedi right that could be the whole plot of it it could just be how this jedi discovers that there are sith still out there is could it be kind of a paranoid thriller type of vibe where you have this Jedi is like, I found these things, nobody's listening to me. We've seen that. If this truly is the bridge from High Republic Jedi and prequel Jedi, when we, we've kind of already seen how the politics are infiltrating prequel Jedi in Tales of the Jedi when you have a Dooku versus a Mace Windu in that episode. You've also had the way the, the Republic handles the situation the hostage situation in the first episode of tales of the jedi with dooku you also have dooku jedi lost there are some good examples of 30 20 to 40 years before the phantom menace politics in jedi order but this is a hundred years before the phantom menace so what is the bridge truly (laughs) we've seen the jedi be very distrusting of things they don't want to believe in the prequel era. It's one of the things that leads to their downfall. It's their arrogance. It's their inability to believe that there are threats coming that they can't face. 
And in this, I could see the full, if this is a multi-season show, I could see the whole first season being this Padawan who discovers something dark, tries to tell her master about it, tries to get Yoda or other Jedi on board. We really need to see Yarel Poof, Opo Rancisis, Yoda, Yaddle. I want to see all those Jedi who have been around since the early days of the High Republic. I want them in this show as well. But could we see that early days of when the Republic relies on the Jedi so much as warriors that they stop becoming peacekeepers, where they stop becoming interested in protecting the light and really just afraid of what could be kind of contaminating their ideals. And ultimately, they take it out on this girl who ends up falling to the dark side and helping <laughs> become one of the first pieces of the Jedi's downfall. That would be a really interesting first season. I, I want this to be, I really want this to be like a two, three, four season show. It yeah. needs it. We need that, especially with how great the High Republic has been. If we can assume phase three ends around that like 120, 130 years before the Phantom Menace timeline, this would be a great way to give those people who've been reading that stuff like us for years a lot of rewarding detail while also setting a clear defining point for the different eras of the Jedi Order that we have tr seen canon try to establish within that 1,000 year gap between when Bane supposedly wiped out the Sith and when the Jedi uh, fall eventually in Star yeah. Wars Episode Three. Well, that's all of, oh, we have one more question. Yes, one more question. An actor once said the Sith infiltrates the Jedi Order. Seems like they were super undercover, maybe. Would you, do you, what do you mean by that? In this show, do you mean that? Or is it in general that the Sith helped infiltrate the Jedi Order throughout the entire Star Wars saga or up in, in the prequel right. era? Because it does seem that, you know, when we get into... I think a great example of that is Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. When we get into something like that, there are people involved in the Jedi Temple who very much so don't necessarily subscribe to the ideology of the Jedi. They're not necessarily cultists, but they're people who are interested in the ways of the dark. I mean, the Jedi literally keep a Sith temple underneath their temple. The yeah. Jedi are paranoid. We want to see how that plays out. Uh, Lung says an actor from the Acolyte at Celebration said that the Sith infiltrates the Jedi Order and we see that. Okay, so you're talking about for this show. Right, okay. That would be cool. That would be really cool. I think that would play back into like a paranoid thriller vibe for this would be really neat. Yeah, I absolutely am on the same page. Uh, I like the idea of like, you know, the fall, the fall of a Padawan or a knight and to becoming the Acolyte, but I would also... Love to see, like, if we don't, it, it almost feels like I'd like to see how someone who is in the position of, like, a bounty hunter under Kira, right? And Kira uh, is all-powerful and rules Crimson Dawn, but for a while there, after she gets rid of Dryden, it's under Maul, right? Like, there is that still, like, oh, you know, there's still a bigger dog, you know, there's always a bigger fish, right? So... I'd like that same sort of structure to maybe be there with the acolyte. Like there is a person kind of putting all these acolytes together, you know, maybe putting them against each other. 
uh, sending them on these like sort of missions. Uh, maybe this accolade has personal reasons why, and that can make be more compelling, like personal connections. But regardless, if they are the one to be able to take on the role of infiltrating, yeah, that would be so sick. I, I, I mean, I couldn't ask for more um, than to see like the Jedi Order be like broken apart by someone who doesn't believe their ideology, at least that their viewpoint, right? And we've we've gotten hints of like this later High Republic era not being as rosy as uh, we once thought, right? I mean, the prequels, obviously, when we start off with The Phantom Menace, it looks beautiful in a couple places, but it's, it's, it's still grimy. Things are falling apart very quickly around it. I think the more and more I watch it with this context of The High Republic, the more I'm appreciating that they are really trying to elevate what lucas was trying to say in those films and when everyone was expecting yeah. the jedi to just be perfect and then to fall and those like it's like no these guys are already wrapped up in so many things that they shouldn't have been as jedi like things that took away their priorities and their focus and their connection to the force yeah. if you're now able to say like okay but there's also the consideration like oh the jedi were attacked by the nile but force creatures who like you know they were terrified of and petrified them and all that and then there's also like, hey, there was that period of time where like, you know, there was like the Jedi had to like call some of their members and their how they like, you know, their personal dynamics and relationships changed. They had to be a lot more modest. They didn't weren't allowed to show emotion as much because those were some of the signs of like, you know, people being turned from within by someone who's like a sleeper agent. Right. And we, we have hints of so many things that can be explored. Uh, if you look at the Ahsoka uh, un, unreleased arc, like the one under the Jedi Temple, because in Legends, it was built on top of a Sith shrine. And we do see hints of that being also canon with season six and all these like force visions that Yoda has. If perhaps like we take the like the uncoverings of that, move it up to the, this era where like, oh, this person's able to like connect with the Sith like mediator or like the Sith Lord, who's the middleman below the top dog. And, you know, they can still gather their strength, grow stronger while just above them, all these Jedi are like being weakened by whatever they're doing. That would be very cool as well. Uh, we've got the Living Force book that's coming out. That's a hint of like, oh, these outposts continue to be shuttered more and more after, uh, you know, Starlight Beacon was destroyed. There, there's just, and I mean, even Shadows of Starlight introduced the Guardian Protocols, which were used a thousand years before so old Republic era, right? That's very cool to think, consider like Bane and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but now they're like, no, like we're going to cut away how beautiful our lightsabers look. Well, now we need to have more industrial mass produced. We need to upgrade people to from training lightsabers to real lightsabers, you know, pushing pad ones out faster and all that. There's some very cool ideas already in place in the books itself that I can only imagine pushing another 30, 40 years even if it's like kind of normalized a little bit, just how much could still be picked apart and used as avenues for this right. acolyte to just spin a weave of darkness on top of the Jedi. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a Cold War type of paranoia that surrounds yeah. the Jedi. It has to, has to transition them from the Nile threat that they face up into where they are in the prequels. There's a militancy about them in the prequels. The Senate goes to them for literally every problem. They're no longer peacekeepers. They literally do everything the Senate wants them to do. 
there's that transition point. We got to find that. I love the idea of having different eras within the thousand year gap. It used to just be a thousand year gap. Now there's the High Republic. Then we're going to end it. Maybe they'll give an actual name to the prequel timeline other than the prequel era or the Age of Republic that they've called it in the past. In Legends, it was called the Rise of the Empire era. Who knows? But we could get some actual naming there. Just, just for more reference, I did look up the age of Darth Plagueis. Darth Plagueis was born between 147 and 120 BBY. This show takes place in 132 BBY. So technically, if they followed Legends, he would be very, very, very young in this show. So most likely, they don't need to put him in it. And I know that's been a concern for a lot of people ever since I realized back, I, I don't know, when we were doing a live stream a long time ago, we looked up when the Acolyte comes out. 132 BBY, 132. So that is over uh, exactly 100 years before The Phantom Menace. And the events of Darth, uh, Darth Sidious is not even born yet. Darth Plagueis might not be born yet. So there's a lot of wiggle room here. But it would be cool to have Tenebris be this guy who's searching. Maybe he's the Sith Apprentice and he's searching for someone to become his apprentice. We do know Tenebris had multiple apprentices. He had Darth Venomous as well. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility for a Darth Tenebris to be in this. Maybe looking for recruits. That's how our Acolyte gets involved in the Sith. Maybe he's playing that kind of Snoke role we've seen with Ben Solo. This friend, he's using his alter ego, his secret identity to indoctrinate this person and turn him against the Jedi, the, this acolyte like Palpatine does with Anakin. And then slowly you see Tenebris test her and, and see if she's right for this role. And maybe she's his first apprentice and it fails. Then you have Plagueis come in later. I'd love this to just build for years and years and years and ultimately lead up to my dream Palpatine origin story show. We have a couple more comments here and then we're going to probably wrap this up. Who do you think the villain for Ray's film will be? The First Order Remnant or the Sith Cultists, Eternal Survivors? See you long. I don't know, but I really hope it's neither. Personally, I would love, I don't necessarily need the Yuuzhan Vong exactly, but I would love the Grisk or the Vong, something like that. Something that's just completely different. I'd love that to actually be the stakes here. We've done Empire too many times. I'd love there still to be some type of dark side or Sith element to it. I feel like you get the best out of the Jedi when you have the Sith. Luke's Jedi Order and New Jedi Order, he becomes it becomes like a military again. And there's something about that that works better, in my opinion, when there's a dark side element to it. There's something that's innate for light versus dark to exist. I would love there to be some type of dark side threat, but in general, I would prefer it to just be something completely new, something completely different that's inspired out of the roots of what this is being called and ultimately does something for Rey's character that kind of elevates her into that new realm of something we haven't yet seen in Star Wars canon. I, that's why I don't want them to go with the Vong necessarily, because I don't want those comparisons brought on her from Legends, right? I don't want those... Com this this franchise needs to get away from that. But what I'm okay with is, is the idea of an extraterrestrial threat. I, I would love that to come back in here. Yeah, I mean, 
we've, I mean, Liam put out his video where he says like Ahsoka is, you know, a starting key point. And we talked about this a lot on our live streams when the show was coming out episode by episode. Uh, you know, that this show was at least going to plant the seeds for what's going to happen in Dawn of the Jedi's era film, New Jedi Order era film, and the New Republic, you know, closeout of this first 10 years, this Manoverse era, right? And yeah, I mean, the show obviously is part of that and it's leading into the Manoverse and that's going to be the priority. I think that's going to be number one no matter what. When we look at how... Dawn of the Jedi connects to it, you know, that that's that gets a little bit more like, you know, I guess maybe something going on with the Mortis stuff and, yeah, unfortunately, Ray Stevenson's excellent performance as Balin, maybe that's what it was leading into. Yeah. But the one that, like, you know, feels like it's been almost slighted is the fact that, hey, we jumped to a different galaxy, guys. It's not it's not like we just are like, oh, the Mortis gods are here. It's like, no, we're... We're somewhere totally different. We're we're on a planet supposedly where they originated of of some sorts, right? And yeah, like that already inter- brings in such cool and interesting ideas. But the idea of just like, hey, you know, this is a new galaxy. Wouldn't this new galaxy also have like something to say if they're capable of it of coming into, you know, the main Star Wars galaxy and leaving a mark? And it doesn't have to just be like, oh, well, we're here for conquest because that's just what we do, like the Vong. But it could be something very interesting of like, you know, what you're doing is affecting the balance here. We can't let you do that, even though it might be what's needed for like an Ahsoka or someone there. Right. And then the repercussions of keeping that balance, figuring out what they can do, you know, having some of these other Jedi survivors go over to this galaxy. Maybe they win, maybe they lose, but whatever it is, whatever comes back could almost be Revan-esque, right? Revan went to chase an evil and then comes back as the evil, right? There, There could be something that that's where it could be like very force imbued, right? It could be fallen Jedi. It could be things like that. Dark side users, new cults and new powers. There's also the Zepho shrine like symbols also on the Peridia, right? So there's like, oh, there's just so many evils that are lurking that could all just be part, also eradicated at some point, right? By something even more. Uh, and I don't think the Vong necessarily as a whole are that powerful, Right, if you're gonna bring something like that, it has to be almost like force deity like. But then you could still have another species be in allegiance with them, be kind of like the grunts of the armies, and you know, bring it to the galaxy. And that's where Ray could really be elevated because she has her own fight. And I know there will be comparisons, like you said, to Vong, you know, especially if the like designs or like the physicality of the, yeah. you know, the grunts are whatever like similar to what you read back in the late 90s early 2000s but at least it won't be like hey she's doing the skywalker legacy terrible twice over right like no it'll be like no this is her own thing at least she's you know facing something else and i i I would love it if she's not even a jedi and her order is not a jedi order like if she's the skywalkers there's another group of jedi survivors who've made their own version right Mm -hmm. i'd love to see again how she it's not just balancing what's coming from this other galaxy but balancing what we have here can we be unified can we accept our differences and work together we're not going to have in my mind by ray's time like just a solely unified jedi order it didn't really work with luke and luke obviously didn't know a lot about the stuff that caused the jedi to fall apart until you know he's a much older man and saying his spiel about sidious in the last jedi so yeah I, i i just think ray has to have an enemy that isn't you know, familiar, right? At least to the majority of the audience. 
completely agree. I, I do think, I do think the Vong would be something that would be powerful enough for her, but I don't think that's a test that you want to tie in too much <laughs> with Legends. I, I really don't think they should cross that bridge. But for Rey, this film needs to be the union point to me of Star Wars. This needs to be what Episode Nine wanted and kind of tried to be in moments like when all the ships show up, but it never really was in actuality. And it, it needs to be that bridge. Let's bring in whoever is surviving the New Republic film with whether it's Ahsoka, Sabine, Ezra, those characters need to be in this film or at least referenced. We need to bring in Cal if he's still around. We need to unite the Star Wars galaxy. And I think this film could serve as a great origin point for all of that. And hopefully, if it really is a new beginning for Star Wars, hopefully it's a new beginning that pushes into a variety of directions. New Jedi Order was anchored by a I believe five or six main novels. I can't remember exactly how many. I think it was five. I, I think it was six. Um, but it had so many other books that surrounded it that fleshed out other characters that weren't necessarily the main leads in the big novels. This needs to do that. It needs to do that. It needs to be the center point that says, yes, we have Ezra, we have Sabine, we have Ahsoka, we have Cal, we have all these characters out there, we have Corrin. We didn't forget to get about them. Ray might be the one who's in the main novel, the hardcover novel, but the rest of these characters are still around. They're getting their films, they're getting their television series, and they're going to help with this massive threat. I really want to see that. We have a couple more comments here, and then we will probably wrap this up. David Fieldson says, What's up, lads? Been enjoying the Sith and Jedi power brackets. Thank you. Hope you're enjoying, or glad you're enjoying that. Uh, keep voting. <laughs> this one is going to go for a long time. The Jedi bracket, we still have. What, another week, I think, of the first round, and then we're going to get into round two. I've heard, and I don't know if it's true to you guys, that the Acolyte is told from the perspective of a dark side user as the protagonist. If so, that's dope. We've just been talking about that, David. It's seems, that's what they've made it sound like, but it also, the synopsis that CU brought up was about a of a Jedi Padawan reconnecting with her master and we've speculated on this stream a lot about the possibility of could we be seeing this Padawan's fall initially to the dark side could that connect with the Darth Nebris could that connect with early days of the Sith could that be kind of the division point for the Jedi where they decide hey we're gonna stop ignoring all these threats that are out there and we're just gonna be isolationists and in our Republic and do whatever the Republic tells us to do, but we don't want to focus on any dark side plots because we've already had enough with this Nile group. We don't need to deal with that anymore. Could this be the origin point of that? It'll be interesting to see, but I do think from what they've teased, unless they've changed it from what they've teased for years since they've announced the show, this is mostly supposed to be a dark side perspective. So you says someone, <clears throat> excuse me, someone in the galaxy hearing, that the First Order and the Final Order has fallen is probably going to rise and take advantage of that situation. Completely agree. I've, I've made videos about that in the past with uh, the ben, so uh, ben Solo video. I've made the Ahsoka video. It's That's the plot of <laughs> New Jedi Order. It's when Palpatine falls, when Thrawn fails, when these characters die, 
there are consequences for the Empire losing. I think that's one of my favorite things by far about New Jedi Order and the story around New Jedi Order is that, yes, this this dictatorship fell, and it might be the, for the betterment of the galaxy and the people of the galaxy, but there was also something they were doing that was preventing this worst threat from coming. That's why I want to see something even crazier. And there will be those people out there who might have never read New Jedi Order, right, Cynic, who are going to be like, well, this diminishes the Star Wars saga because it's a bigger threat than Palpatine, and now Palpatine's weaker. There are going to be those people no matter what, but this would be something that's hard to argue with because Legends has already done it. And it's not necessarily a bigger threat than Palpatine. In fact, it kind of props Palpatine up even higher because they're like, we're not messing with that guy. Now that he's gone... We can mess with the, the rest of these people. Right, like deterrence in place, right? And then, yeah, they are bad for the average person. But once he gets to the high level Jedi, you know, and full military bureaucracy and all that, yeah, the First Order are a bunch of like whiny kids who are imitating their parents and grandparents. And then the final order is the grandparents saying, oh, yeah, we, we'll do it back like we used to do it. You kids can't do it anymore. And then that mashing, the clashing, and then, you know, yeah, it, it, is, it is messier. The Empire at least was so controlled and meticulous about what it was doing. It doesn't mean they had great quality control, but uh, at least there was a structure in place. The First Order is just, there's the whiny child like Kylo who's just unhinged. There's Hux, you know, after being at such an elevated position, undoing almost all his work by becoming the spy out of jealousy, Snoke, you know, kind of taking control of the First Order before ever being part of it, right? And then, you know, apparently being controlled by Palpatine. Like, everyone has just been full of infighting, supposed to reflect a lot of the modern politics around the world about how there are just a lot of crazy people and things are polarized. But the consequences of that is, what happens when they lose? Yeah, even crazier things can happen. I, I agree. I mean, yeah, people will complain, I'm sure. But I think there is a way, in the at least in the visual format, to make the weight still be like, hey, what we had in those nine films is still more important and weightier. This is just like something that is like, oh my God, the game has changed, but so have the people who've managed to stick around this whole time. Right, it's a classic fantasy trope. It's also classic in american superhero storytelling yeah. as well it's like well the avengers they beat the threat the the minor threat to earth now here comes thanos oh they beat thanos now we can't mess with earth right the same thing happened all the time in dc comics with the justice league it's it's that type of thing and so now we have this new republic they went up and they beat palpatine <laughs> but are they good enough to beat whatever threat is coming now that now that palpatine's out of the way We'll see. I think in general, uh, this film and this story is going to expand the legacy of the Empire more than really anything. And we don't know still, it's something I've been dying to find out, especially as we get more and more of Thrawn. We don't know if the First Order was the plan. We don't know if that's an offshoot from Palpatine's original plan, which is the Sith Eternal and his final order and his Sith troopers and all of that type of stuff. Was that the original plan? You know, people would absolutely hate this, but I'd throw it out there because I think it would be a way for them to elevate Snoke 
I wouldn't necessarily love this idea, but you could say with a weakened Palpatine, right? What if Snoke was the powerful body, the, the strand cast clone that Palpatine was going to fill in? Then he realizes, hey, I'm just being used. He fights off Palpatine, takes half his fleet, which turns into the First Order, becomes this dictator leader, adds a lot to Snoke as yeah. a threat rather than just some a puppet. Uh, I, w I would kind of prefer that. I would kind of prefer the First Order and the Final Order to not be on the same plane because it makes a bit more sense when Palpatine decides to introduce himself to Kylo Ren and the rest of the First Order is when Snoke's out of the way, right? There's something there's something there that it seems like Palpatine didn't want to have to deal with Snoke. Now Snoke's gone. Now he can take part of it. We could rant and go on about this forever. There are a lot of cool things that I do think that not only Ahsoka, the New Republic film, Dave Filoni, Thrawn, all those things are going to enhance the division between the First Order and Final Order, but also the New Jedi Order film should also kind of make that clarification. Last couple of questions here. David Fieldson says, uh, is Skeleton Crew coming out next? That is supposed to be what's coming out next. We still don't have any word about the release date. It almost certainly is 2024 because yeah. <laughs> there's nothing about it. And we are already a week into November and there's nothing. So most likely 2024, especially with Echo being announced for, early, for January uh, yesterday, which is a Marvel show. They don't usually run Marvel and Star Wars at the same time. It's a one-day drop. Maybe we're looking at late January, early February for Skeleton Crew because of that one-day drop, but uh, this will be the first time in a while we've had consecutive Marvel shows as like the big properties on Disney Plus without a Star Wars in between. We'll see. Hopefully it comes out soon. The last thing, C.U. Lung says, Stephen Knight has big shoes to fill in. I can't wait to see his final draft at play. Yeah, it should, hopefully, great writer. I think he can do a lot with, with yeah. this, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. Thank you all so much for joining this first episode of our Star Wars Lads news live streams. We'll be back next week. We still haven't solidified what the date is we're going to do these. Seems like we had a pretty good turnout, though, on a random Saturday night. So if you guys enjoy Saturday nights, maybe we can make this the day we do it. We're looking towards, we were thinking more towards the end of the week, like, uh, we do our our video game live streams where you can ask us anything at the beginning of the week. We're thinking this maybe at the end of the week. We'll see. Leave your comments. Leave your chats. Which days you prefer when you would like to see it. We appreciate you all joining. Talking about the latest in Star Wars news. Trying to get the rest of this content that we've been pumping out up on the channel. We have a lot more great videos coming your way. We appreciate you, David, for mentioning the brackets we do have the Jedi Power Ranking Bracket up right now. It is still in its early stages, I believe. Today was day five of the voting, so make sure you make your voices heard. There's been some really interesting matchups already on there. Gone through a lot of the heavy hitters, especially of Legends. But there have been some canon characters who have surprisingly done well, like Avar Chris with the High Republic. A lot of big Avar fans out there. Make sure you go vote. There will be... I believe today is day five, so there's going to be 11 more days of round one. Make sure you vote in all of those. Two polls a day every day, 7 a.m., 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for watching this video, everybody. We will see you all next time. Make sure you join us for our KOTOR 
we're, we're either going to do KOTOR or Battlefront this week. We, we haven't decided yet, but on Monday we will have a live stream. Make sure you join us for that on Monday. Yes, because anything you'd like. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you all next time.